So today I'd like to talk to you about one of the greatest challenges of our day, if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us now? Would you speak clearly through me? Through Christ we pray. Amen. Ten years ago, when the end zone first opened, I remember walking through and saying to somebody, if the end zone looks like this in 10 years, we're going to have a problem because that means we're not changing, we're not growing. You know, those who've been part of New Life from the beginning, around 20 years or 30 years, we've had that same approach from the very beginning. If New Life isn't changing, we're not maturing. Now, our message is always the same. Our message is Jesus Christ. Our mission is the same. We exist to seek and to save those who are lost, to go and make disciples, to call people to follow Jesus with all their hearts. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says, great crowds were traveling with him. And so he turned to them and he said, if anybody comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Our mission, our message has been the same. The cross of Jesus Christ, calling people to pick up their cross, to follow him, to be disciples who make disciples. Now, our methods, our strategies, our approaches, though, constantly change. Um, and one reason is because our world is constantly changing. Cereal boxes today are not what they were when I was a kid. Cars are not what they were when I was a kid. And the church needs to change because the United States of 2020 is not the United States of 1993. It's not even the, you know, the, the world today is not even anything like it was 10 years ago. Another reason that we're changing, though, is because God is always teaching us, and we always want to follow his lead. One of the major shifts that you're going to see us making in, 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 in the days ahead, and we have been in the process really in the last couple of years, is more boldly calling people to complete commitment to Jesus Christ. You've heard us talk a lot about making disciples who make disciples, sharing your faith, sharing Christ. Again, Luke, Jesus says in Luke 14, whoever doesn't bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Carrying a cross meant you were about to die. It was shocking to people when Jesus would say that, but he really meant it. I mean, for some, literally, they would die on a cross to follow Jesus. But for all of us, to follow Jesus is to surrender our lives completely to him, not just for the sake of sacrifice, but because Jesus would say in other places, if you try to seek your life, you're not going to find it. If you try to be happy, you're going to find death. But if you want to find life, then we follow Jesus as the good shepherd. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus told us in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. 
What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 22, verse 36, when they asked him the question, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He quotes the Shema here from Deuteronomy 6. And then he adds to that, this is the greatest uh, and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. If I could summarize the shift that we are seeking to make, we're in the process of making it new life. We are shifting from having an operating system that appeals to consumers and produces customer Christians to an operating system, to a strategic approach that produces disciples who are fully surrendered to Christ and therefore find life in Christ as can be found no other way. Now, what does that mean? Summarizing the shift means that we will, we're, we're changing a lot of our basic approaches and assumptions. See, the reality of U.S. Christianity is that most churches function as customer service organizations, not as the body of Christ calling people to surrender and be fully committed disciples who make disciples. If you examine the operating system that most churches have used, especially since the 1980s, at the core is this customer service approach, and for good motives. In the late 1970s, what was happening in a lot of churches, they were starting to realize we are not being very effective in in making a difference in reaching lost people. In fact, a lot of churches had taken kind of a, a fortress mentality. The world had changed, the culture was changing, and so... Christians kind of got wrapped up in their own churches and it's like they can let we let the rest of the world go to hell we're saved and that's what matters to us and there were people that came along saying oh no no, we have a lost world that we're called to reach how are we going to reach them and motivated by a desire to reach them they started to think about so how do we meet people in their felt needs so we can help lead them to understand that eventually they'll surrender and discover their real needs. So the basic approach in these churches was they would identify the customer. You know, who is our customer? What's our female customer look like? What's our male customer look like? How do we meet the customer's needs? And then by meeting their needs, we can lead them to Christ was the basic idea. No one was deliberately trying to develop a consumer mentality in people. I am convinced, I know that the pioneers of this were genuinely committed to reaching the lost. I've listened to their messages. I've listened to them weep over their desire to reach lost people, to win their communities for Christ. It was natural Though It was just real natural for Americans, though, to make this move to a consumer mentality. We tend to think as consumers in the United States. You know, the idea is uh, you choose a toothpaste. If you don't like that toothpaste, go buy another toothpaste that meets your needs better. You don't like that phone? Go switch to a different brand of phone. Don't like that ketchup? Go switch to another brand of ketchup. 
Now, why anybody would not want Heinz ketchup is besides me, but there are people that just aren't brand loyal in that way. And again, it's not all bad. I don't want to be unfair with those people. In fact, I think a lot of those churches were effective because at the core motivation of those ministers was we're going to reach the lost. We're going to take our community for Christ. But when that consumer friendly, customer friendly approach, when those forms take over without the heart for lostness and a commitment to reach lost people, then what the forms end up doing is creating a a consumer Christian. In fact, one of the books that I remember reading years ago was called The Customer-Friendly Church. Don't get me wrong. It is not bad for churches to try to serve people. It is not wrong for churches to be good hosts. In fact, Jesus, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to show hospitality to all people. It's good for churches to offer more than two choices, take it or leave it. However, in an effort to adjust to our cultural changes, churches just went too far. It's good to be cross-cultural evangelists, but we crossed a line where the churches started to trust in business practices to build the church rather than trusting the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit to change lives and rather than being clear on what it means to really follow Jesus. See, the church is not called to be the best customer service church in town that attracts people kind of like a religious Walmart. We are called to lead people to die to themselves that Christ might live in us. Again, God says, I am the Lord, your God. There is no other God. You are to have no other gods besides me. God does not say, pick up your credit card and go find the safest, most comfortable church you can. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow. Whoever doesn't pick up the cross cannot be my disciple. But that customer-friendly operating assumption has produced a couple of bad fruits. The one is low character Christians. See, pride says I'm the center of the universe. Everything exists to fulfill my needs, to make me happy. But the Bible says God opposes the proud. When churches foster consumer mentality Christians the church feeds their pride and the church just becomes another place that feeds the narcissism of a narcissistic generation. How many people choose their church based on where's the best place for me to serve? How many people look for a church thinking, where's the best place I can go help build a church that reaches other people? Even how many people choose churches anymore by saying, I want to find the church that it teaches the best sound doctrine. Let's be brutally honest. Most people choose a church today based on selfish motives. What's in it for me? Rarely do people visit New Life and ever say, I'm looking for a church that really needs us to serve. 
exceptions like you think of that Dale and Nancy Spaulding. I will never forget the first time I met Dale and Nancy Spaulding. They said, "We're looking for a church that can uh, that we can work with to to reach our lost friends." That's the attitude that's, that God honors. But most people leave churches today saying, we need a church that meets our needs. We're looking for a church that has a better children's ministry, student ministry, women's ministry, staff person for this and that ministry. Our, we we want to go to a church that our friends in the neighborhood go to. We're looking for a church. Sometimes, and this is happening more and more, oh, we're going to go to a church that matches our political views. God forgive us. But the bottom line is we don't disciple people to take up their cross to follow Jesus. We disciple church narcissists. The church exists for me, for my needs, for my desires. And the way the pastors have led churches is that we've nurtured this self-centered approach of what's in it for me. And consumer Christians don't make disciple-making Christians. And we, see, and we really saw this happen at COVID. We saw the fruit of this at COVID when so many people around the United States just quit going to church. They got out of the habit and they haven't come back. Somehow I think heaven looks down and sighs. Another result of consumer Christianity has been that we produce weak families. Low-commitment families produce low-commitment children. Now ask, what do we teach our children when we have a consumer mentality toward the church? The church exists to meet our needs. We teach our children to be church narcissists as well. By example, we teach them that once they go to college, if they can't find a church that meets their needs, that makes them happy, that appeals to them, then, well, that's the church's fault. I guess you just don't need to go to church if you can't find a church that suits you. And one of the great tragedies of the last couple of generations has been the number of kids that quit going to church, that walk away from the faith once they leave home and go to college. Now, I'm so glad that my family taught me commitment to the church as our family. They taught us that by example, and I hope that you will as well for your kids. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit somebody if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? What will anyone give in exchange for his life? Now I want to pick up here next time, but and, and to pick up on the implications for new life ministry with family ministry. But a couple of practical thoughts as we go. First of all, This means, if I haven't been clear already, new life is going to be more bold in calling people to total commitment. We want to be safe for people. We value safety, but you need to understand Jesus was safe for the humble. He was not safe for the proud. We want to honor people. We want to be cross-cultural evangelists. Jesus was safe for sinners, but he was not safe for people who had an attitude of what's in it for me. 
we will preach, take up your cross and follow Jesus. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. That is good, but it is not safe. Now, are there benefits to following Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus came that we may have abundant life, but we don't sell Jesus. We don't sell people on the felt needs and then later on kind of let them know, oh, and by the way, following Jesus means taking up a cross. No, we teach that Jesus is Lord of all. He is worthy of our complete devotion. We will not shout grace and whisper repentance. We will not shout about heaven and be silent about hell. We're not going to talk about God's love as though it is completely disconnected from his holiness. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.18, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to us who are being saved. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. See, our confidence is in Christ. We believe that if we are bold about Christ and the cross of Christ and following Christ in obedience to him as our good shepherd, then that's where life is found. And we need not apologize for that, that life is not found in having a consumer mentality, that life is found being fully surrendered to the one who loves us most, to the master, Jesus Christ. Again, the apostle Paul says, because God's foolishness is wiser than man's human wisdom, God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And so we're committed to building the church according to God's wisdom, not human wisdom. Another implication is that we're going to, of moving away from consumer, customer-friendly church approach, Christianity, means that we shift how we work with family discipleship, student discipleship. More on that next time. But as we go, just ask yourself, what is my attitude? What's your attitude toward the body of Christ? What does it look like to say, you know, the body of Christ does not exist for me. It exists for Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is not about me and my needs. The body of Christ is about Jesus Christ and his lordship. And he is worthy of my full devotion. Does that challenge your attitude at all? It does mine. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us your people and make us your church for your glory, that you would be glorified. Lord, we want to be clear as Jesus was clear. We want to call people to life that is really life, what it really means to follow Jesus as the way and the truth, what it really means to surrender to you as Lord of all. We know there's going to come a day that we see you face to face. And in that day, there will be room for no glory, but your, but, but your glory. Uh, nobody else will be the center of attention. We will not be. It will not be a seeker-friendly place. It will be a God-honoring place. And so, Lord, help us now to live in a way that honors you every moment of the day. So there's less of us and more of you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I hope you join us next time as we get more specific about family ministry changes at New Life.